everybody. So listen, it is good to be with you wherever you are with us right now. I mean, you might be on your living room couch, you might be at a watch party, you might be at one of our campuses, uh, who knows where you are, um, but we're glad you're here. I'm David Algar, I'm one of the pastors here. We're in this series right now called Foundations, and this is about the foundational things of the church that make the church function, that make the church able to accomplish its mission, the things that, that, were, that were given to the church, that, you know, by God, uh, saying, like, do these things, this is how the church functions, and that, that, that goes all the way back to AD 30 to this day. So, you want to get a head start, go ahead and turn to um, Mark chapter 10, and we'll jump into this. But I want to ask you guys two questions right at the beginning here. Okay, so think about this uh, question, and then I'm going to actually have you tell somebody your answer, but I'm only going to give you a fraction of time. So, question number one. When you were growing up, what did you want to be great at? So when you were a kid, and you were growing up, what did you want to be great at? Now, wherever you are, whether it's on the couch or at Starbucks, find somebody and tell them. Go ahead, right now, wherever you are, any place. What did you want to be great at? All right. Question number two, when did you realize that wasn't going to happen, right? <laughs> now listen, I mean, I, I, admittedly, somebody out there became Spider-Man, right? Somebody became an NFL quarterback. For most of us, it didn't happen. And, and, I, and I say this, I ask you these questions because, look, this is something common in all of us. We all have a desire to be great. We all have a desire to, to be significant. This is just a common thing that we all feel. For me growing up, you know, it varied week to week. Uh, I, I remember wanting to be a great basketball player, but not only was I going to be great, guys, I was going to be really humble about it, right? Um, and then uh, later, you know, I, you know as, I'm, as I'm growing up, you know, uh, instead of la that kind of stuff, I got more realistic. Well, I want to be a great scholar. I want to have a best-selling book. I want to find the Ark of the Covenant. I want to find this, you know, uh, and that was last week, right? That was my fantasy last week. So, um, <clears throat> but again, um, I ask you those two questions. I want you to dwell on it because um, I want us all to feel the reality that, that this is something everybody has in them innately. The desire to be significant. The desire to be great. And when you're growing up, that's all fun and it doesn't matter, you know, kind of what that is and all that kind of stuff. But as you get older, it kind of starts to affect people in actually damaging ways. Because think about the dynamic, okay? What, what does it mean, you know, uh, what, 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 do we, what do we feel greatness really means? What does the world tell us it means? It means that you're better than other people. Bas that's the basic premise of greatness. The greatest ever is the person who's better than anyone else at, at that thing. The person who's great is better than all these people. They're here, they're above, everybody else is below. That's really the way that the world kind of steers us to feel greatness. And so if you take any kind of category of life, whether it's sports, you go, oh, wait, well, Tom Brady's the greatest. Why is Tom Brady the greatest? Well, because he's way up here and everybody else isn't as good as him and they don't have as many, you know, wins as him or whatever or, or another sport. And the debate, is LeBron the greatest? Is Jordan the greatest? Well, you know, whatever. Um, either way, the reason they're the greatest is because one of them's better than everybody else. And so it's that positioning that, that the world tells us that, that, that significance is. 
and greatness is. If you're up here and every everybody else is down here, or at least a lot of people, or even in your organization, if you're up here and everybody else is down here, you're significant and, and you're great. Take any arena of life, whether even money. Jeff Bezos, he's great. Why is he great? He has all billions of dollars and he's way up here and we're way down here on the food chain and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of the way it works in terms of the way that the world drives us to feel greatness. And there's really big consequences to that. Really, really big consequences to that we, that we have to be conscious of, that we have to be aware of, because it will erode us. It'll erode our insides. It'll make us do things uh, or lead us to do things that, that are, are hurtful or, or ungodly. I mean, uh, think about how this plays out in life. Um, number one, it, 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 if you really think about the way that, that most people in the world understand that reality of greatness or significance, you're up here, everybody else is down here. Well, then that means that only a few people end up getting to be significant. <laughs> only a few people end up getting to be great because by very definition, you gotta be one of the few and everybody else gotta be below. Number two, it plays out in our inner life, in our hearts. And I'm telling you, this is dramatic right now. It's, it's intensified because everywhere you look, you can compare yourselves to other people. Instagram and Facebook and this and that and whatever. And, 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 and you know, we're all doing it. Adults are doing it. But especially, you know, youth and young adults. I mean, that's the world they live in. This, we live in this comparison world because they're believing this definition of significance, that for me to be significant, I gotta look better than, I gotta be better than, and when I do look at those social media things, I mean, everybody kinda does seem better than and better looking than and all that kind of stuff. It, it just kills joy, it kills uh, peace. It's having a dramatic effect on the health of people. I mean, it's, it's ruining people's hearts and then it plays out in what people actually do. It actually comes out of them. Because when, 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 you, when you believe that, that to be significant, you got to be up here and other people are down here, then you, you maneuver, right? Maybe you're in an organization and you're not, you know, up here. And so you got to maneuver to get up there because that's the only way for you to be content or to be satisfied or to have significance or, or to have greatness, and so, and so people will do, do stuff. They'll, they'll do sinful things. They'll lie or they'll do whatever. Or they'll, you know, again, whatever it takes to position themselves up here because they have this inner drive to be significant or to be great. And then if you look at it from an even a 30,000 foot view and look at even history in general, people murder for this. I mean, they take over countries for this. To be great, I'm going to be the greatest general, the greatest leader, the greatest this, greatest that. Kill people to be positioned up here. And then you take all that together and you just go, man, is this a curse that humanity has, right? Is it a curse? And do we just got to like, do we just got to just say, man, just don't try to be great. Don't try to be significant. Look what it leads to. That's crazy. Well, what's interesting is Jesus addresses this directly. He addresses this directly, not just once either, several times in some very interesting situations. And what Jesus says is actually surprising. And I think it's going to surprise uh, some of us what he says. 
Because Jesus doesn't approach this like a curse. And Jesus doesn't even tell people like, man, that's a bad motivation, trying to be significant, trying to be great. In fact, he does the opposite, and we'll get into this in a second. Only he says, you're going about it the total wrong way. (laughs) What you're trying to get, the way you're trying to do it, isn't leading to greatness. So let's dig into this, all right? Turn to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read these texts to you. We're going to walk through a fascinating text in the Gospel of Mark. I love the Gospel of Mark because it's the shortest one, okay? (laughs) It's 16 chapters. I looked up, I like to do uh, nerd stuff, like I looked up on the internet, believe it or not, true story. Um, How long does it take to read the Gospel of Mark? Well, apparently a bunch of other nerds figured that out by uh, testing all these people reading books of the Bible. And on average, it takes one and a half hours to read the entire Gospel of Mark, okay? So that's a freebie for you. Okay, so we're in, we're in the book of Mark. Now listen, I want to tell you as we get into this, I want to really reinforce why we all need to hear Jesus and hear what he has to say on this about greatness. Here's why. Pursuing greatness the wrong way steals your significance. The very thing you're trying to get, you actually will not receive. But pursuing real greatness produces significance. Pursuing greatness the wrong way steals your significance, not just your significance. It steals your joy. It steals your peace. It steals your your contentment. It it erodes your inside. It, It leads to sin. And listen, God doesn't reward worldly greatness. Pursuing real greatness produces significance, primarily because God rewards it. And it leads to peace, it leads to joy, it leads to fulfillment. All the things that you're kind of wanting to get, just going about it in a worldly way, in a wrong way. So look what happens here in Mark chapter 10, okay? So we're going to dig into this text. And when we go to Mark chapter 10, we're kind of, in, we're kind of two-thirds of the way through Jesus' ministry. So all kinds of stuff has happened. And, and, and um, we find a world that's very similar to ours. Believe it or not, They were caught up in this. They were caught up in this struggle to maneuver themselves, people in this culture, to maneuver themselves to be above other people so that they could be significant. They compared themselves to each other all the time. They didn't have Instagram, they didn't have Facebook, but they found other ways to do it, right? (laughs) It's, It's just in us. And it did all the same type of junk to them as it does to us. And, and so you actually see this dynamic play out. You actually see this dynamic where people are trying to position themselves to be above because they think that's what it means to be great or significant. And it causes friction and it causes things to happen. It plays out in the very ministry of Jesus in, in, in more than one occasion. And this is a really interesting time that it happens. So let's look at the text. Here's, how, here's where we're going to start. They're walking on their way to Jerusalem. Now, who's walking? It's Jesus leading, and there's a bunch of people following him. And when the words in the Bible says disciples, you never quite, you don't always know what that means because 
It's the 12 disciples, but then there's a bigger group of disciples called the 70, and then there's like the hundreds of other disciples that are following. So this is probably a pretty big group of people. But look what it says they're doing. They're on their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe. What, for walking to Jerusalem? What's that all about? And the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. A little bit strange, right? Like why, why would the disciples be filled with awe? Why would the people be overwhelmed with fear? Well, here's why. It's a very simple reason, actually. Because people have already tried to kill Jesus. And all the people who have tried to kill Jesus are in Jerusalem. And they're plotting, plotting to kill him. So if someone's plotting to kill you, and they're over there, which direction are you going to go? That way, okay? Jesus is going this way. He's going towards the people who are trying to kill him. And... These guys, all these other disciples, all these other people following, we don't know the number, it's probably hundreds, they're overwhelmed with fear. Why? They're going to the place where Jesus is walking to the place, he's walking into danger. And you know what? We might get killed too. The, the disciples, and this is specifically that inner group of 12, you can tell by the context, they're filled with awe. A little bit different than just overwhelmed with fear. But it's a mixture. This word means when you dig into it, a mixture of respect and fear. They're afraid, but they got respect at the same time. They're going, this is our leader. We've seen him do all kinds of stuff. He knows what he's doing. These guys are trying to kill him. He's walking towards them. This man is bold. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm filled with awe. What's going to happen, guys? I don't know. We might not make this, but this is a bold move. So they're going, all right? So now look what happens Next, Jesus then explains something to them because he senses their fear and he doesn't actually take their fear away. He makes it worse. By, by explaining for the first time what is going to happen to him. And he says it plainly. And what he's about to explain is how he's going to save the world. Because they all think he's going to save the world by going there and doing what, what everybody thinks you know, a great person would do. Like, get, you know, get, take control, get on top, and everybody else is down below, and now you give the commands, and you're great, and you're this and that, and that's what they think, right? And he's like, it's not going to work that way. It's not going to work that way. Look what Jesus says taking the 12 aside, because he doesn't want to scare everybody else to death. They're already overwhelmed with fear. When you're overwhelmed with fear, you need to, like, calm down, right? So he takes the 12 aside, and he began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. If you know the story of Jesus, what's about to happen to him is pretty brutal. Listen, he said, we're going to go to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, that's a name he uses for himself, will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. I mean, he's like, he's like crystal clear saying what's going to happen. So the religious leaders are going to betray me because they're already plotting to kill me. They're going to hand me over to the Romans. You know why they handed him over to the Romans? Because the Jewish people at the time didn't ha technically have the ability to execute people, even though they still would do it once in a while. But the Romans, and they, did, and they did it in a more humane way, which we won't get into that because it's still pretty brutal. But the Romans purposely did it in an inhumane way, and that was crucifixion. 
It's a very torturous way to kill people. Jesus is saying that. They're going to hand me over to the Romans. They will, look what it says, mock me. They're going to spit on him. He's talking about himself in the third person. Flog him with a whip and kill him. And then he even reveals the resurrection. And after three days, after three days, he's going to rise again. Now, if you heard that and you were the disciples, I mean, just think about maybe what you would have thought. Whoa. Holy smokes, we do not need to go to Jerusalem. Or, or maybe you would have been believed, like, okay, you know the plan. Okay, let's go. But what's weird about the story is it's so, and, and there's all kinds of theories about this, but it's so different than what the disciples expect. It's kind of over their head a little bit. But not only that, they're kind of thinking about some different stuff. They're not really thinking about Jesus. They're, they're consumed with themselves and their own kind of feelings. And believe it or not, they're also kind of consumed and preoccupied still with this significance greatness thing. So something happens next that's a little unexpected. Look what happens. James and John, and these are good dudes, the sons of Zebedee, these are two of the 12 disciples, they come and they speak with Jesus. <laughs> okay. Now, if they're going to go speak to Jesus, after he tells them, I'm going to be spit on, flogged, and crucified, and this and that, wouldn't you expect sort of like a hug out here? Like, Jesus, man, bring it in. Like, man, we love you, and we're going to, we want to protect you, and, and we're going to comfort you, we're going to pray for you, and man, this, I don't know if this should happen, but we're here for you. But that's not what they do. That's not what they do. They're not, they're not even sensitive, it seems, to the, the, the fact that their friend, remember, he's their friend, someone they love, is going to, about to go through this, 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 whoa, this horror. That's not what happens. They say, teacher, we want you to do us a favor. So not like, hey, Jesus, oh man, I can't believe it's going to happen. Uh, man, I, I love you. No, we want us to do you a favor. Jesus, Jesus goes, okay, <laughs> what's your request? <laughs> he asked. And here's what they asked. You ready? They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, <laughs> okay, we want to sit in the places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. There's a weird... Those two things next to each other are weird. On the one hand, Jesus just, just kind of opens up and he's vulnerable and he's like, I'm about to get horrifically killed. And then James and John are like, kind of didn't hear that part. Um, when you get to the throne, though, can we be up here? Let me tell you what's going on. Part of what's going on is that this innate dynamic inside of us to want to be great, to want to be significant, to want to, in the, in the way the world, the world directs us to feel it, the lie about it. James and John, are, John this, they feel that this is our opportunity to get up here because there's 12 disciples, right? And there's only one right and one left. You see what I mean? There's Jesus, and there's only one on the right side and one on the left side, and there's 12 of them. Man, let's go talk to Jesus. And then we can be here, and the other 10 will be here. We'll be the great ones. We'll be the significant ones. I mean, it's like, here's what's going on. This happens in, in people's lives. It's, pro it's probably happening in your life. I, I'm telling you, it's happened in my life. I have, I have sinned in this way. 
Here's the principle that happens. The principle that happens is when you pursue false greatness, trying to position yourself over other people, you're not content until you're, you're up here and other people are down here, and that's how you're pursuing your, your life significance. It causes you to be self-preoccupied, so much so that the result is that you stop noticing other people's needs. Isn't that true? It is true. And look, James and John just did it. Who, who needed, who, in this scenario, there was all kinds of people who had needs. What about those people overwhelmed with fear? James and John should have been going over like, guys, we've seen Jesus do miracles. Calm down. God loves you. He's with you. I mean, there's, there's a thousand people who had needs here. Jesus had needs. Their friend had needs. Jesus, we love you. Um, we're with you no matter what. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's not what they do. They're so preoccupied with their own positioning to be up here that they just ignore other people's needs. We do it all the time. That's what happens when we believe the worldly way. Now, look what happens next. This part is expected, okay? Then the text says, man, uh, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? And are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? In other words, Jesus goes, wait, didn't you hear the part where I'm going to be spit on, flogged, and, and killed? You didn't hear that part? Are, are you able, and, and cup means share someone's fate, Baptism is immersion, so it means, are you going to be immersed in the suffering? I'm going to be immersed? Are you willing to do that? And James and John are so like, I want to be great, man. Look what they say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Jesus is like, you don't know what you're asking. When you see this go down, you're not going to be feeling that way. You're not going to be so eager. But they replied, oh, yes, we're able. Yes, we're able. Then look what happens. So we're able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from this bitter cup and be baptized with this suffering. And they're like, they're probably going, all right. Like, no, man, that means, and we know through history, these guys were killed, okay, for their faith. This isn't good news. He's telling them they're going to die in painful ways. They just don't realize that's what he's saying. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those for, for the places for the ones he has chosen. So it's really interesting because he go, Jesus goes, um, okay, let me get this straight. Because James and John are trying to make a deal. Hey, Jesus, when you get on your throne, can we be on your right and your left? And Jesus is like, hmm. So, so let me ask you a question. Are you willing to like, go through this stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. James and John are now thinking Jesus is negotiating. Okay. Well, you are going to go through that. And now James and John are going, oh, great. Now the next thing Jesus is going to say is, since we're willing to go through it, he's going to put us on the right or left. But Jesus goes, okay, well, you are going to go through it. But that's not my call. You know, so that's what happens. So then look what happens in the text. This is, this is very predictable. This happens in every, every day in, in people's lives. This happens in your business. This happens in your organization. This happens everywhere. When the ten other disciples heard about James and John, what they'd asked, they were indignant. You know what indignant, indignant means? It means like you have contempt. It's that word. It's like if you were gonna, if you were gonna make a sound that captured indignant, it would be, it would be this. It would be, pfft, pfft, right? Pfft. 
James and John. And they're indignant. Anybody know why they're indignant? Because they wanted those positions. They're like, that's what I was going to ask. James and John sneakily go over to Jesus. Hey, put, put us up here. And whoever the, you know, Nathaniel, Bartholomew, were like, we were just going to ask him to be up there. No, they were here. We can't be great. We can't be great because only a couple people can be great. Because to be great, you've got to be up here. To be significant, you've got to be up here. And everybody else is down here. So they're indignant. So Jesus calls them together. Because when you're a leader, you deal with junk directly. And this is like, Jesus, man, if you do, if you want to, if you want to like, if you're a leader in an organization, read the Gospel of Mark and see what Jesus does. He's a genius leader. And you'll be shocked that every genius principle, leadership principle in the world is in the Gospel of Mark, okay? <laughs> it's true. Because he calls them together. It, does, it just doesn't say, leadership principle number 10, Jesus calls them together. Jesus deals, it doesn't say that, but it's there. He calls them together. And he says something to him. Look what he says. You know, you all know, and, and I'm, I'm saying this to, all, to the, everybody who's watching, you all know how the world works. You all know how people try to be significant. You all know how we all have this innate desire to be great. And then you all know that the way the world pushes us to do that just is by comparison. And if you end up up here and you kind of are significant, if you're down here, you're not. You all know how it works. The rulers in this world lord it, and here's the key word, over. Over. They are great. That's the world because they're over people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. How does, how does the world tell us to be great? There's over and there's under. If you're over, you're great. You're significant. If you're under, that's you, right? <laughs> so you know how that's, that works. Now look at this next line. But among you, it will be different. Now I want to tell you something. In a second, and I'm going to show you what it says in a different translation too in a moment. Jesus, it's really important sometimes to realize what Jesus does not say. He does not say, follow me here, greatness, why are you guys so preoccupied with that? That's evil. Trying to be great is evil. Trying to be significant is evil. That is a bad motivation. That's wrong. That's, from, that's not from God. He doesn't do that at all. He doesn't do that at all. Because that motivation is from God to be significant to be great. But Jesus is just about to say, but you're just doing it the wrong way. You're not actually, you're not actually positioning yourself for greatness. And so he says, the world's way is a lie, is basically what he says. They try, to, they try to tell you be over, be up here, and then everyone down here is not significant. And Jesus is going, it's different. That's not it. Look what it says in this other translation. I like the way it says it. It's not this way. That's not reality. It is not this way. And then Jesus goes on to explain how it actually is. He never, he never suppresses the ambition of trying to be great or significant. He facilitates it. 
He's like, James, nothing wrong with James and John trying to be great. They just don't. They're not doing it the right way. Nothing wrong with any of you, any of us trying to be significant, trying to be great. Just do it the real way. And then he explains it. And here's what he says. It is not this way, over, under. Instead, whoever, and you know, and until like, 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 a, like right before, until I was like in this text, this word whoever just went bam. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because the way the world explains it, there's no such thing as whoever. Whoever can't be great. You can only be great if you have a very like hyper amazing set of gifts and skills better than everybody else and you look a certain way or whatever. There's no whoever. But Jesus's invitation to greatness, real greatness, is an invitation to whoever wants. Put that back up. Where'd it go? Whoever wants to be great. So you... You, anywhere you're watching, if you want to be great, Jesus is going, that's a great first step. Here's how you do it. Because you know what? It's a choice. It isn't for just a few people. It's for whoever wants to choose to have it. So whoever wants to be great among you, uh-oh, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first. I want to be first. James and John wanted to be first. I had a dream last week about being first. I want to be first. Okay, Dave. You must be slave of all. Now. Jesus doesn't ever suppress. The desire to be great is significant. He actually wants us to. Seek it. But the real thing, and not only does he want us to seek it, Jesus himself is seeking it. So then he ends with this. Listen to this. He goes, put that text up, that last text up. That's not it. The last text that Jesus says. That ain't it either. <laughs> Jesus says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is going, I know this is a weird thing to hear, but Jesus is going, I want to I be great. Like God put me on the earth to be great. And you know how I'm going to do it? I'm going to lay my life down for you because that's how you do it. Wow. So here's, here's the summary principle. The summary principle is this. Greatness is not about positioning yourself above others. Greatness is achieved by positioning yourself to serve others in order to make a difference for others. Let me give it, let me give it, that's a long sentence, even though that's like 
man, I just want to memorize that, soak that in, because I struggle with that. Let me give you, let me give you to in a portable way. I would encourage you, on your couch, you can find a pen in your living room, okay? If you're at a watch party, find a pen. Write this down. Type this on your phone. Copy and paste it. Someone on the chat online, write, write this next thing out, and everybody else copy it or take a little photo of it, okay? Look at this next line. I'm going to condense it. Greatness is really about being for others, not above others. That's what it's about. Greatness is about being for others, not above others. True greatness. Now listen, I want to give you three pieces of, as a, of advice with this. Here Jesus has, taught, is, has given us like, man, he's spoken to our hearts, and this is the Holy Spirit, and these are the words of God, and there's so much at stake here, everybody. There's so much at stake here. Well, I want to give you three pieces of advice on what to do about this right now. Now, number one, number one, super encouraging, okay? Here's my first piece of advice. Pursue real greatness, which is not like positioning yourself above others, but positioning yourself in some way in your life to serve. And then, guess what? Enjoy the calm that comes with it. You know what? I got, I got three daughters, 17, 16, and 16. And I want them to hear this so bad. Gosh. It's, you don't have to compare yourself to other people. God made you the way that he made you for a reason. And he wants you to be significant and great. And this whole world is set up to make us compare ourselves to others. And when you embrace what Jesus says, you get peace and you get joy. Oh, my goodness. It comes in. There's so much freedom offered to everybody right now. And if you're listening to this right now, I just want you to hear the love of God in this scripture for you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to deliver your heart. There's so much more joy in his way. The second piece of advice is this, and this is real simple. Just jump in somewhere and serve. Jump in somewhere and serve. Now listen, there's so much I could say about this. I want to give you a principle, though, in a moment. Jump in with us, people. Wherever you are at the watch party, wherever you are out there, you're watching online, you're on that chat, jump in with us. And it's easy to jump in. Because we got growth track here at our campuses, and when you come next week, you go right to Connecting Point. We'll tell you exactly where that is. You sign up for growth track, and we'll help you kind of see where you can jump in, okay? And if you're on the chat, you'll be able to um, just click on a link. They're going to stick a link up there on the chat, and you can click on that and say, I want to sign up for online growth track. I want you to jump in, but I want to warn you against something that people do all the time. People often don't jump in because they don't know what they should do. And let me tell you why that's a really big barrier, false barrier mistake. What you should actually do is not worry about that yet and just jump in. And here's why, because there's a life principle that, that's, that's true. And that is that God will steer you to where he wants you and created you 
specifically to serve once you're serving. Think about like a ship in the ocean that is a sailboat and there's no wind. How hard is it to steer that ship? It's impossible. Why? Because the ship's not moving. The ship can't be steered unless it's moving. It's the same way with a person. God steers your life in service as you're moving. And as you're just jumping in to serve in humble ways and different ways, he starts to direct you to where he's created you to serve, and he will do that. So just jump in. And it's easy to do here. And we're... And there's so many ways to jump in. We need you, like you know, investing in the lives of, of kids here or, or students or each other. There's so many ways or people who walk in our doors or in our community. I mean, we're an outward-focused church. We have so many you know, ways that we serve in the community. My wife and I just um, signed up to, to be you know, uh, foster family care people where we take care of foster families. We're not fostering kids, but we're taking care of the families that foster the kids because that's our fostering initiative at Compassion because we're going to change all these counties. It's happening. Our church, I mean, our church alone, I mean, we, we're, we're at a place where we can have a seismic effect on, on the foster kids and their lives in our counties, and it's happening. So jump in with us. And I'm telling you, you've been a believer for more than six months and you haven't, well, let me go back before COVID. If you've been a believer for more than 11 months, nine months, come on, man, jump in. Or woman, jump in. One more piece of advice. Let me give you one more thing. This is a heart thing. And I want you to think about you know, Jesus and his words and like pursuing greatness and what this will do to your heart and how healthy this is. Look for a way this week to choose to be for someone instead of above someone. Because I, I, I struggle with this all the time. Like, and I don't know how that's going to play out in your life, but I promise you, I don't say promise very often, but I promise you God will give you a chance to do this. God will give you a chance to be for someone instead of above someone. Maybe Maybe that's like someone you struggle with. And you struggle with them for whatever reason. You're in competition with them. And so, in some creative way, maybe it's as simple as praying for them. God's like, I just want you to pray for them that, that I will bless their life. And that's hard for you to do because you don't want them to be blessed. But you're for them, right? For me, this is going to be easy. You know why? Because I really struggle with pride, okay? So I'm going to have like 15 opportunities to do this. Now listen, listen, Jesus has a great gift for you. Guys, he has a great gift for you to pursue true greatness. And why is he giving you this gift? Because he desperately loves you. What's the difference between pursuing worldly greatness and real greatness? Well, false greatness, pursuing greatness the wrong way steals your significance. The very thing you're trying to achieve will not be given to you, especially because on the day of judgment, God will not reward it. But pursuing real greatness produces significance. Pursuing false greatness steals joy, steals it, it creates inner emptiness, 
And God will not reward any world greatness you achieve. Now this, by the way, just, this has nothing to do with pursuing excellence. The Bible tells us, work you know, vigilantly, work hard as if you're working for the Lord. This has nothing to do with pursuing excellence in any area of your life. Work hard. Try to be good at what you do. Be good at, that honors God. Be good at your job. You know, when you show up to work, you know, work hard. Do a good job. You know, when you're studying, you know, you know, do it well. Pursue excellence in what you do. Sports, whatever, it doesn't matter. This has nothing to do with that. Do all of that. It's what you're trying to do it for in the end that matters. And when you pursue true greatness, it produces significance. It creates joy. Oh, I want this for my kids and for our kids at our church and everybody's so bad. It generates fulfillment. And man, this is really important. God rewards every single bit of it. Every little act of service. Out there in the world, people think that God's about judging and this. He wants to reward you. He wants to bless you. He loves you. Listen. Next week, there's some, we'll have our prayer team here. We want to connect with you. You show up. You, know, you can give your life to Christ. You can jump in and serve with us, but you can do it right now. If you're on that chat right now, all you got to do is say, I want to be forgiven. Someone will pop up a, a little thing and we'll connect with you. You can say, I want prayer. Do that right now. Uh, you can say, I want to serve. There's already links on the chat. We want to do this together. I want you to hear, we want you to hear that God wants this for you because he loves you and he wants the best for you. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks. We love you. We want to we wanna feel and, and have the words of Jesus just be, just be etched inside of us and affect our hearts and affect our lives because this is the way to live. This is the way to do it. Give us help in any way. And we think about people who are watching maybe for the first time or you know, haven't given their lives to you yet, Jesus. We pray for them. We want, through this prayer, we want them to hear our love for them. And we want them to feel your love for them. Thank you for answering that prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.